your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 19 this morning. Luke chapter 19. Turn to verse 37. And he was, when he was come nigh, even until at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise, and God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they have seen, saying, Blessed be King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and the glory of the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I'll tell you that, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, if you've heard me say plenty of times that uh, I don't want the rocks to cry out in my place. Now, I don't know what the Lord has done for the rocks, but I know what he's done for me. He's pulled me that miry pit, and he's lifted me up, and he's placed me on that rock. So let us pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, uh, this day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Father, we just, uh, uh, in different means and in different venues, Lord, we just uh, uh, still can feel the presence of God. Lord, we just pray that you'll be with each one this morning. Lord, help us up and encourage us. And Father, we'll just praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever gotten up the beginning of the week and it'd be just a beautiful day and everything's going your way and everything's doing uh, exactly the way you want it, but all of a sudden throughout that week it goes downhill. And by the time the end of the week comes, you don't know if you can stand it anymore, you don't know. But if you get up that very next day, that last day of the week, and all the thing, everything just changes and is right back to what it just everything's best. So uh, uh, Jesus came riding uh, last Sunday was Palm Sunday, and Jesus rode into the Jerusalem in victory and triumph on the donkey, and they were praising him and giving him the glory and honor. But let me just say, throughout that week, things did not go very well. I'm preaching this morning on. What a difference a week can make. What a difference the week can make. Uh, he came riding in on Sunday or the first day of the week in, in triumph and in glory. They was praising him and, uh, and they celebrating everything. And here today uh, we celebrate resurrection. But that week that Jesus went through uh, was a hard week. And think about this for a moment. The reason why we rejoice in salvation the reason why we look for a home in heaven, the reason why one day we know Jesus is coming back again is because of what happens in that one week from Palm Sunday to Resurrection Sunday. Between the time he rode in and triumphed into the Sunday when he arose from the dead, uh, we can look for that, we can rejoice in that. And everything that took place in that week has given us what we celebrate today. We know that he's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. We know that. There are some things uh, I want to show you that happened in that week. Some uh, uh, very important events that happened in that week from the time he rode in in victory and triumph until that time of his resurrection. There was four things that Jesus did that we can look and say, I have victory in life. I have uh, uh, the assurance uh, of a home in heaven. I have these things in my life and I can hold on. Four events, four major events that took place in the life of Christ that also can apply to our lives to give us that victory we have. First of all, Jesus prayed. He prayed in the garden. And the reason why he prayed in the garden is so that you and I could be 
sanctified through the power of the word and, and, the, and at that Lord's Supper uh, he walks out and he, he goes down to the garden at Gethsemane and he begins to pray and he cries out to his heavenly father. He prays that the glory of God that he once knew before the foundation of earth would come again unto him. That it would manifest itself in the days to come. He knew what he had to face. He knew what he had to go through. And he's asking the Father, he's praying to the Father for the glory and the power that would, he had with the Father at one time would manifest itself unto him again. So we see him praying in the garden. If you want to see the glory of God, watch the passion of Christ for what he does for mankind. For what man cannot, can, mankind cannot do it for itself, Jesus is praying and he does for what mankind not can do for himself. He's asking the Father to manifest that glory, that power they had. Even in the garden, he prays the world that's unsaved. The reason why that uh, uh, they may come unto the uh, saving knowledge of God is because he prayed of his amazing grace, because he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. And if you've ever uh, been to Calvary and you, if you've ever uh, trusted Christ as your Savior, and there's a Savior praying for you right now. He's praying for those that are lost in this world. He's praying for you and I. He prays in a garden for his own. He said, Father, he prays for the Christians. He prays for the, the body of Christ. He prays for those, the flock of sheep that's been placed in, in his, the Father's hand. Uh, he prays for their unity. He, say, he says the devil is going to try to scatter them apart. And, and here he is praying. Uh, and fear will come into him. Pandemonium will come into him. So he's praying for his own in the Garden of Kissimmee. He's on his knees. He's praying for their fellowship. I, I look at churches today and I see churches how they're, they're functioning day by different ways and different avenues and venues. Uh, but we don't have that fellowship. But even through Christ we still can have the fellowship of the body of Christ. He's praying that they would stay in love with each other. They have the fellowship with one another. He prays for their sanctification in the garden. Father, sanctify them through the truth of your word, he tells them. Through the truth of the word, uh, uh, bring them closer. And we need to get closer to the body of Christ. We need to get closer to each other in the times that we're going through these dark and difficult times. We need to draw strength from each other. We may not come together, but we still can be together through the body of Christ, through the power of Christ. We still can have that fellowship with each other. He prays for his own in the garden. Father, all that you have given me, I have kept them in the truth and in my love. 
We see him in the garden praying for the, the lost. We're praying for his own. He's praying for those who are, uh, are in need of help. He's praying for those in the garden. And the passion that he prays for them, the Bible says sweat is great drops of blood. We see the passion of Christ in the garden as he's praying for those in his world. He's praying for the glory of God to fill him one more time. He's asking the Father to be with him one more time. But in the, also in the garden, he's praying for himself. He is praying that the Heavenly Father would give him the strength that he needs to go to the cross. To pay the debt for mankind. He is praying for the glory, the power, and the strength that he may finish the work the Father has given him to do. That he is praying in agony. He looks down in that cup the cup of sins for mankind, the past, present, and forever, those sins. Uh, and he's praying, uh, Lord, uh, he's looking at those sins and he's drinking of that cup. The wrath of God is upon him. He that knew no sin became sin. And he's asking the Father, he's praying to the Father, give him the strength to complete the task that was given unto him. He drunk the cup of sin that we may be righteous through him. Our sins forgiven. And because of that day in the garden, he got a hold of the Father and the Father got a hold of him. You and I could be sanctified. You and I can have a relationship with God. You and I can have a fellowship with God. Because the Savior is praying for us, He's still praying for us. He's on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. He's still praying for you and I. He still gives us the strength. He still gives us the power. He still gives us the glory. He's still praying for you and I. But in this day, on that day, He prayed with passion. We see this event that takes place in the garden. There's other things that takes place, but his prayer that he prayed to the Father was a major event. Not only in his life, but in our life. The second event that takes place, he stands before Pilate. He stands for Pilate in that mock trial. They only found him guilty of loving, caring. He stood in that trial before the whole world that you and I may be found innocent in the eyes of a holy God. They found him guilty that we may be pronounced Justified. They condemned him to death that day before Pilate. So that Paul could say, there, therefore there is no condemnation to them that which are in Christ Jesus. We often refer to this as a trial of Jesus, but may I submit to you that actually this is a trial of Pilate to, 
What are you going to do with this man called Jesus Pilate? And I believe that same question can be asked of you and I. What are we going to do with this man called Christ? What are we going to do? We and I, you and I are on trial today. What are you going to do with this man called Christ? They may have put Christ on trial But reality, we are all on trial today. You and I have a decision to make. You and I have a choice to make. What are you going to do with this man called Christ? That trial was there. It was mock trial. It was a, a trial that was set up. Because of that day, They found him guilty at that trial. And the debt that we could not pay, now I've been set free. I've been set free from the world of sin. Therefore, there is no condemnation to them that which are in Christ Jesus. He was condemned that we may not be condemned. He took our place of judgment, therefore we'll not stand before the great white throne of judgment of God. He took our place. What a difference a week can make. Our sins have been washed away through the payment of His blood at the cross of Calvary. Between last Sunday and this Sunday, He prayed in the garden that we may be sanctified. He stood before Pilate that we may be found justified. What a difference a week can make. And it made a difference in our lives. He dies upon the cross. The event that takes place. They take him from Pilate. They take him to the stone pavement called Gabbatha. And then we know what takes place there. The punishment begins. The beating begins. They scourge the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he's beaten beyond recognition. The cross was laid upon his back to carry They led him up a hill called Calvary, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. There they they impaled him and lifted him up on the hill of Calvary. The Son of God dies for the sins of mankind. What a difference can make, a week can make. He died that we may become sons of God and inherit the kingdom of God. It was on that hill the scriptures were fulfilled. 
It was fulfilled to the very letter. Nothing was left undone. Nothing, even the cast of lot for the clothing. Nothing was left done as told in Isaiah. Everything was fulfilled. He'd done what he had to do. He has come to Jerusalem in triumph. And he rode on the donkey in triumph. And they were glorifying and praising God. And in that week he stood before Pilate and was found guilty of nothing. And he went to the cross and died for you and I. What a difference a week can make in your life. And it made a difference in his life. It was on that cross that he cried out and said, I thirst. I thirst. It was on that cross he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was on that cross that he cried out, It is finished! And now because he said, I thirst, I can drink of the waters of life. Now that he cried out, God, it is finished. Now I can rest my case at the foot of the cross. Now I have a a Savior. Now I understand. He died that we might be saved. What a difference a week can make. Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and it's by his stripes we are healed. It is fulfilled promise of God. It was my transgressions, but he was wounded. It was my sins, and it was his stripes. It was my iniquity, but it was his price for my peace. He became what we were that we might become what he is. He cried. We can now be partakers of water of life. That's why he, when he wept, we can rejoice and shout. He was forsaken by the Father that we may not be forsaken by the Father. He tasted hell that we may not taste hell. That we may enjoy the glory of heaven. At the cross, Jesus paid the debt. He paid the price. He shed his blood. He finished the work that his father had given him. Can I say this? There will never be another crucifixion. There will never be another sacrifice. There will be another, never, ever another Calvary. But there will be another infantry, triumph infantry. There will be. Psalms 24, 7 says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and, and be uh, lift up all everlasting, and bring, the King of glory shall enter in. 
There will never be another crucifixion, sacrifice. There will never be a Calvary. Because the Bible said, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God once for all. And you say, why once? Once was enough. Once was enough. Throughout this week, he became in triumph and riding the donkey in victory and glory and shouting, great Hosanna, Hosanna. And yet through that week, he faced a mock trial. He went to the garden and prayed for the, the power of God. He, he had to finish the task. He knew what was set before him. He needed the strength. And let me just say this. You and I need to fall to our knees and ask God, give us strength in this time that we're going through. It's agony. It's pandemonium. But we need to fall on our face and ask God for the power and the glory and ask God to fill us that we may be able to finish that task that is set before us. You say, what is the task that's set for me? Go ye into all the worlds. I love missions. I got where I love them more and more. But we need to go out those doors here and remind ourselves when we step outside those doors, we walk into the greatest mission field ever was right here in our community. And the reason why I feel so good about missions, the reason why I have the passion is because I see what Christ has done on this day in the garden. I see his passion for when he prays for all those that are lost and undone. Don't let his death go in vain. Don't let what he done in the garden, don't let the trial go in vain. But praise God, that's not the end of the story. He may have went to the cross. They may lifted him up, but he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all all men unto me. Praise God. They put him in a tomb. But that's not the end of the story. The week has not ended yet. Praise God. He died once. When he comes back, he's not riding a donkey. He's coming back in a cloud of glory. Shouting the praises of God. Amen. As Paul Harvey would say, and now, the rest of the story. If you see and, and look at each one of these events, you would say, how in the world uh, could anybody uh, survive? How in the world uh, could anybody uh, uh, endure what he had to go through? How could he have been beaten? How could he have drunk his own cross to uh, Mount Calvary? How could he have done all these things? Uh, because he prayed and got the power of God because he knew the task that needed to be finished. If he had not have died and went to the cross, uh, you and I would have had a face the judgment of God and we have no blood of Jesus. But on the last day the greatest event of all the greatest event that we should be excited about, the greatest event that happened that makes you and I who we are. He arose from the grave. It is the power of the gospel that he rose. He rose from death's domain. He walks out of the tomb 
And he said, I am that liveth and was dead. And behold, I, I live forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Praise God. It's because of what he's done here that you and I have the victory. Because, praise God, that when he rose from the grave, you and I have the power and authority. You and I have become sons of God. We do not serve a dead Savior. We serve a living Savior. He lives forever. Hallelujah. Lives forever. Christ arose that we might live. And not just have life, but have life more abundantly. You know how many times in the Bible we find that God has come to his people in times of need. We find ourselves in the dark, difficult times. Circumstances that's beyond our control. The children of Israel found themselves in Egypt's bondage for over 400 years. It's estimated seven to seven and a half generations had died in Egypt. They lived and died in Egypt's bondage. Think about Daniel. They were held captive in a strange land. Think about even in the days of Christ. When Israel was ruled by the power of the Roman authority. Think about the, the individuals that found themselves in dark circumstances throughout the Bible, but also throughout the Bible we find a God <laughs> who came and delivered his people. Egypt may have been in bondage, but God sent Moses. Israel may have been in bondage in, in uh, Daniel's time, but God sent Nehemiah and Ezra. We find that we were in bondage of sin. We find that we were in bondage of death. But he came and died for us. He sent his own son that we may have not to be bound by sins of this world. We've been set free. We've been set free. The tomb is empty this morning. The tomb is empty. And he said, because I live, you will live also. When he comes again, you will not find a donkey. When he comes again, you will not find a cross. When, you, when he comes again, you will not find a tomb. When he comes again, the Bible says that that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of the things in heaven and the things in earth and the things under earth. And every tongue shall confess that he is Christ, is the Lord.
Glory to the God of the Father. Let us praise him this morning. Because the tomb is empty. And there is no grave. You know, we go to graveyards and visit sometimes, but there's not a grave that we can go and visit Jesus. He's rose out of that grave. The cross was empty. The tomb is empty. There's something else that's going to be empty too when he comes back. This world is going to be empty. I want to praise him for what he's done. I want to give him the glory for what he's done. What a difference a week can make. He came in Jerusalem in triumph. And then he had to go to the garden and pray. He's still praying. He had to stand before Pilate in a trial. Can I say he's still standing before the world in trial today? There are those who receive him. There are those who reject him. He's still standing in trial today. He went to the cross. There are people today who still want him on the cross. They don't mind you talking about God, but when you say the name of Jesus, he strikes fear into them. So they put him on the cross and they want to keep him on the cross. They want to keep him in the tomb. They say he's still buried in this world somewhere. Can I say, yeah, he is. He's buried in my heart, in my soul. But at the end of that week, he arose, and they can't fight that. It strikes fears in the, the hearts of men that reject him. It strikes fear in the devil. He says, I have the keys of death and hell. He said, I own it. I have the power and authority. He has everything because of that day, that one day that he rose from the grave. You and I have victory in this life. I don't have to submit to sin. I'm not chained by sin. I'm not bound by sin. I'm not bound by this world. I have been set free because of the death, burial, and resurrection of my Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, Savior, praise God. Give him the praise for what he's done for you and I. We can shout the glory and we can let him ride in victory in our lives day after day after day. We don't have to sit around in death's defeat no more. Mm. What a day can make in your life. What a week. What a week. I've had weeks like that. It seems no matter what I did, everything went wrong. I, I, I was going through bad weeks and bad days, but all of a sudden God came by and made things right. He delivered me. Can I say God is still delivering people today? That is the power of the gospel, that he can set you free. He can set you free. And let me just ask you this this morning. Is there anything that's bound you up? Is there anything that's caught you up? And you struggle to get free from it. 
Let me ask you to go to him. He can set you free. You may not have had a great week this week, but let me just say, today, it can be a brand new start. Jesus rose up from the dead and said, I'm alive. I was once dead, but now I'm alive. I, I could say the same thing. You could say the same thing. If you've been to the cross of Calvary, you can say, I was once dead, but now I live. We can say the same thing. But if anything has gotten you bound up, you can be set free today. Because this is the day that we were set free from the sins of this world. I, I pray that you've gotten something out of this week. I pray that God speaks to you in a mighty way, that he's still God. He's still delivering. He's still presence in our life. He's still on the throne. And I love the fact that we have a Savior that is still praying for you and I. He's still praying for his own. And we still can get a hold of him. I look at the disciples and they were able to touch Jesus. They feel him physically. I may not touch him physically, but let me say this. He has touched my heart. And I can feel his presence because he lives. Because he lives.